Man, these are such wonderful Sundays. I think these are my favorite Sundays of the year. We get to enjoy all that God is doing in people's lives. It makes such a difference to me. I talked with uh, some of our members here who were original members of Hampton Roads Baptist Church. Best as they can recall, it's been more than 10 years since someone has been baptized here. So I'm so grateful for what God is doing. And the sound of kids is a twofold blessing, right? I love the sound of children. And it's great for getting volunteers for children's ministry the rest of the time. So uh, if you want to help us serve these kids and minister to them and serve their parents, because you know the rest of us don't care if the kids are making noise in church, but the parents are having a heart attack. So I'll give them a break and uh, serve in children's ministry. That would be a wonderful thing. Listen, I want to give a couple more things that you're going to be really happy to hear. Uh, Pastor Marcus announced the uh, gift-giving opportunities, the angel tree, the coat drive thing. That's with a local agency that works with foster and adoptive families uh, are collecting coats. That's on this back wall. The angel tree is out there. Um, for the next several weeks, if you want something to do after church, you can probably just stay here. Okay, that'll make it easier. Uh, next week, we decorate for Christmas. December 3rd, there's going to be a meeting with some of our facilities people, the director of facilities for Coastal and so on, for those interested in volunteering for projects that are going to be done in the next Next year here at Hampton. Some of you have wondered a little about that. Here's your chance to not only find out, but to say, I'm in, I'll help. So uh, we're going to give you some more information about that as the new year comes. The next week is the 10th, uh, actually the 9th, there is a ladies' game night, I think, here. So we need you to sign up for that. I think, is there anything happening on the 10th after church? I can't remember. But at any rate, uh, there's stuff going on all the time. There is going to be something the 17th uh, after church. So lots of good stuff. December 3rd is the night of prayer in the evening. Oh, December 3rd is going to be that meeting. So lots of stuff going on. You just write, pay attention to all these things and ignore me, right? Um, one other thing, though, I want to tell you about, and that is the results of our third Saturday of the month, our, our food pantry ministry. Our food giving ministry was incredibly fruitful yesterday. Uh, we served 343 families at our Yorktown campus. Nearly, nearly 1,300 people uh, received food. Uh, two given away, uh, that food that you've been donating over these recent weeks. So that's real world ministry to people who are in need, and I'm really grateful for your participation in that. Okay, listen, we're going to do, we have one more thing to do uh, today, and that is going to be to celebrate the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do at the end of this message. And, and I thought a little bit about just I'll talk about communion, and we'll just make it a day of all of these things. But Psalm 119 has a section in it that is actually part of our assigned section for today that I think will be helpful to us in thinking that through because it talks about how to kind of stay long-term. How do I walk the Christian life? I have friends who like to run, not because somebody's chasing them, not because a bad thing is happening, just because they like to run. I won't ask for a show of hands because maybe some of those friends are here, but it just seems really weird to me. Like, I don't get it. I want one of those shirts that says, if I'm running, try to keep up. Something bad is behind me, right? <laughs> I, I don't, I, but they love it. They love, some of them run marathons. I have a friend, a college friend who is a pastor in Texas 
who has gotten so into all of this stuff, he has now completed one Iron Man. I'm like, what in the world is wrong with you? I don't understand why you would do all of that to yourself. He loves it. There's a lot of training that goes into it, right? They do all of that in a day uh, when they compete, but they are going at it training all the time. Have you, have you thought lately about how much the Christian life is like that? There is a very distinct marathon sense to our walk as believers in Jesus. And so we're going to be in Psalm 119. I'm going to go from verses 33 to 40. So there are not a lot of them, but uh, I think we can gain some thoughts here about why some people, when they come to Christ, they, they early on get discouraged. And it's because I think we have, we have the excitement of that, but we don't understand this is a long-term commitment complete with difficulties and obstacles. Any worthwhile thing is not easy, right? If it was easy, anybody could do it. But the Christian life is for those who are willing to commit themselves and trust in the Lord to make it happen. And so, point number one, it's going to take commitment. It is going to be necessary that I understand the commitment necessary if I'm going to follow after God. And the first piece of the commitment is actually a piece about dependency. Look at these first few verses. Teach me, O Lord the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Those three words, teach me, give me understanding, lead me, remind us that we are dependent on the Lord if we're going to get to the end of this thing successfully, right? We have to depend on him. There is something about us, and the sooner we admit it, the better off we are. There, we innately, as sinful human beings, are both unaware and in, of the demands and incapable of fulfilling the demands of walking faithfully with Christ. So we depend on the Lord for that, which is why I refer to it as a marathon mentality right? We want to be people who are going to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Authentic followers of Jesus. That's what we're here to do. That's how, that's how Coastal phrases it. That's a disciple, somebody who authentically follows after Jesus with everything they've got. It's so desperately important that we understand the significance of this. See, we all love, I, I uh, for a long time, hung on to Isaiah 40, 31, you know, right? Uh, I want to mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint, all of that, right? We all love the mount up with wings like eagles and run and not be weary. But we're not always in for the walk and not faint. But that's most of the Christian life, right? Is the walk. The long haul of discipleship, it's not all in the baptismal pool, right? It's not all the running and the flying. A lot of it is walking the Christian life, walking with God, being faithful to Jesus. Most of it is that. It's a marathon mentality. And the other parts of those verses help us understand that. Teach me the way of your statutes. I will keep it to the end. That's talking about without a time limit. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to do it for a while and then quit. I'm not going to be like 
all those people who come about January 2nd next year are going to start a diet or going to start to decide to go to the gym. And then by mid-February, they're going to be like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore, right? That's not what this is going to be like. I'm going to do this to the end without a time limit. I'm also going to do it wholeheartedly. Verse 34, give me understanding so I can keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Everything in me, I'm going to commit to doing this. Again, people who run marathons, we have, uh, Jody and I have a friend who does that and puts on stuff on Facebook about it. And when she's training for one, she will like talk about how, man, I ran for three hours today. It felt great. I thought, if I tried running for three hours, you'd all have to visit me at the hospital. There is no way I could run. I don't know that I could run for 30 minutes. It's just, but she loves it. Of course, in the background of all of that is the constant training and discipline that it takes to be an athlete who can run that long. For us, there's got to be a motivator, right? I mean, to me, it not just a little thing with a medallion on it would not be enough of a motivator. I'm not even sure if it was gold, it would be enough of a motivator, right? But we have a motivation, right? This, this was Jesus' motivation, right? And being, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, which we don't usually take time to read all of Hebrews 11 and getting up to, verse, uh, or to, to uh, chapter 12 and verse 1, but it's the list of so many people who faithfully served God, many of whom gave their lives for Christ. Therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He looked past the cross. He looked past the obstacle and the struggle and the pain to what was set before him. He endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now he sat down at the right hand of God. So that's my, that's my impetus for running faithfully, even when it gets difficult, is there is joy coming someday, right? Secondly, I need to know, there, it's, I have to think about my inclinations, right? I have to understand, first of all, my own weaknesses. I have to know my weakness. My inclination as it relates to my own weaknesses is... My heart tends to wander. Look at verse 36 and 37. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Uh, we'll stop there. Those are, those are my tendencies, right? I have a temptation towards selfishness. I have a temptation to move toward things that are worthless. Listen, not everything besides what you find in the Bible that you can quote a verse for is inherently worthless. You may work at a job that is not particularly spiritual, but it's not worthless. But my eyes tend to get on things other than God. I want things more than I want God. I can even, worthless things can even be when I get my attention on the blessings that God gives to me instead of on the God who has given me the blessings, right? I have to understand my own weakness. We can't draw on the currency of past spiritual experiences as a substitute for a vital walk today. I can't trade on 
past victories. I've got to walk day by day with God, and that has to do with my inclination. I have to know my weaknesses, and I also have to know his worth. Incline my heart to you, it said. That's, that's bending in. That's listening closely. Charlotte came up to me this morning, and, and of course, she's a little smaller than I am. And so I, I have to bend down, and if she's going to give me a hug, I have to bend. I have to incline to her. That's what I want God to do to my heart. Incline it. Bend it toward you. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life. All of those things I want God to do because I struggle to do them on my own because I know my weakness, but I know his worth, and I want those things. The life of discipleship isn't just a list of denials or negatives. It's the positive joy of knowing God and serving him. Thirdly, my vitality i got to think that through. Verse 38, confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. I have to start by embracing my own role. I'm the servant in this section, right? I'm the servant in this relationship. I'm the one who should fear God, who should be in awe of God, who should reverence God. Occasionally, I may be the one who faces some reproach because of my faithfulness to the Lord. That's okay, because servants aren't in it for their own benefit. But I also need to love His righteousness. Establish me. Your rules are good. We talked about that previously, right? We, we sometimes look at the rules that God gives us as restricting us. God's rules are for my good. They are for my benefit. They are for my flourishing. They are to give me freedom and revive me, give me life, asking for my passion to be reignited. We resonate with these words because they reflect our experience, right? We know what this is like. We, we get these things. Sometimes it's encouraging. I look back at the Apostle Paul's writings, and I realize he had much the same thing. Can I just read these words for you? Paul said, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members." Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And what is his response? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that to me is the connection between this section of Psalm 119 and our celebration of the Lord's table. Because this table is designed to keep bringing me back. It's designed to keep, keep me reflecting on the important things, right? We often talk about the, the fact that the table of the Lord, the communion table, and, and it's not sitting here. We're going to pass it to you in just a few minutes, these elements of communion. But it is, it is remembering, looking backward at what Jesus did. And Pastor Marcus talked already about that, and, and uh, Mayan talked about it in her video. We have to come to a point where we recognize we're a sinner and we're separated from God, and so we 
believe in the gospel, we turn from our sin. We believe that Jesus came and lived and died for me and rose again on the third day, literally coming back to life. We believe the gospel, and then we receive Christ. That's the beginning of the Christian life represented by baptism. We come to the Lord's table on a regular basis to remind us of the ongoing nature of the walk of the disciple. And so it is not just a backward look at what Jesus has done, but it's an inward look. It's an inward look at what's going on in my own heart right now. What's happening? Am I living in dependence on God? Am I resting in his grace? Am I, am I following what he has given me to do? What am I, where do I stand in my walk with God? And so as we hand the elements out in a few minutes, in fact, why don't we have our, our, the folks come and let's get ready and start handing these out uh, as I'm talking. But um, we're going to take a few minutes once they're handed out and we're going to reflect on what is going on inside of me. It's not just intended for a, a just a let's do this check mark thing, right? The, the table is only for those, just like baptism, the table of God, the, the communion service is only for those who've already trusted in Jesus. It is another outward expression like baptism of an inward reality. It's something that has already happened to me, and I'm coming back to remember. I cannot afford to forget the gospel. Come on, guys, they're going to come, and so there are going to be two trays, and they're going to come one right after the other. There's a tray that has a little wafer in it, and then a tray with a cup of juice. And if you are a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, we welcome you to join us uh, together. You don't have to be a member at our church, but we would encourage you if you have trusted in Christ and Him alone. And listen, if that's never happened, and I just talked about it, you can take care of that right now in the moment, right? You can repent of your sin and trust in Jesus, believe in the gospel, and, and receive Christ. And this can be your first time you've taken communion as a follower of Jesus because this isn't going to do anything for you spiritually if you're not a believer. This is, in fact, the scripture talks about us eating and drinking damnation to ourselves. Do not drink this unworthily, the New Testament says. And so please, if you're a, a, not a follower of Christ, we are so grateful you're here, but just let these trays pass on by, all right? And uh, we'll, we will, uh, no one's going to say or think anything about it. You just let it move on by. But man, we want to take some time to reflect on what God has done uh, in our lives. And then it's, it's time to reflect to the future. Every year when I come toward this, uh, this uh, time of the year and I think about the fact, so we're going to be together uh, this week with our, some of our kids, our family, and uh, spending Thanksgiving together. And uh, we are waiting for the day Jesus is going to come back and we're going to be together with God again. Have you ever wondered what it might be like for, for if we can put uh, Jesus thinking in our terms for Jesus to look at the Father and say, is it going to be this year? Uh, and someday, God's going to say, yeah, go get my kids. We're going to have the family all together again. Uh, that's going to be really incredible, right? So even as we take these elements together in a few moments, it's a reminder that Jesus said at the Last Supper, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine again until I do with you 
in my Father's kingdom. Someday, this is all going to come to fruition. So this is the ongoing, long-haul discipleship picture of the Christian life. So they're going to come. There will be a wafer and a, a cup of juice, and I'm going to invite our team to play just for uh, a few minutes. So you go ahead and spend some time meditating, talking to God. Make sure everything's clear between you and him, and then I'm going to step back up here, and we'll take these elements together. All right, and then we'll, uh, we'll work on closing our service. So let's just spend some time quietly uh, meditating and talking to the Lord.